Hello, and welcome to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis, and today we're going to get a little bit more into building a niche can help you grow your practice with a bit of a twist. We've got Lauren Locker of Locker Financial Advisors in New Jersey as a guest today, who's developed a niche in the elder care sector by taking a slightly different approach to building her practice. Lauren founded Locker Financial Services, LLC in 1992. During her years in business, she fulfilled her dreams of helping people better understand how their money can work for them. Lauren is an independent certified financial planner practitioner. She served as 2012-13 national chair and as past president and past chair of the Northeast Mid-Atlantic region of the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Lauren holds a BA in business administration from the William Patterson University and is an active alumna on the board of William Patterson University Foundation, as well as an adjunct professor at WPU's Kotsakos College of Business. She served as a panelist in the New York Times and The Record and has spoken to student groups at Yale University and other colleges and universities in the tri-state area. Lauren is a member of the American Society on Aging. Lauren, thanks so much for joining us today. You have a fascinating story to tell, I'm sure. I sure do. We've been consulting advisors listening to this program for quite a while to try and build a more specific niche for their practice so to help them grow by examining their book of clients, finding a commonality among them or some thread that ties a number of them together, and using that as the basis for a niche practice built on that group or a service that this group would be attracted to. But you did things a little differently, didn't you? Tell us a little bit about how the inspiration for your niche came about initially. Well, we like to call it the Aunt Carol story. In 2006, um, Aunt Carol was 99 years old, fell in her apartment, and the closest relative was here in New Jersey. And we went on a journey of how to take care of Aunt Carol, who was a very independent, um, never married, no children, businesswoman, career woman who lived in Manhattan all those years. And um, for that reason, never had anything in place in terms of legal documents. So the journey that we had to go on to get her to be taken care of, put into a nursing facility, um, just getting her apartment sold, what we were allowed to do and not allowed to do because of the lack of documentation, trying to find a place for her to go to. We finally had to become uh, guardians for her. And what we found was there was no one available to help us with this process. I mean, yes, you can go to an attorney and they were going to get you to the through the guardian process, but helping through finding where to go and how to do all this, it was a nightmare. And it took over a year for that to happen. Wow. So based on that personal experience and, and lack of help in, in wending your way and navigating through it, you realized there was a need for someone to help older individuals work through some of these obstacles, and no one was filling or meeting that need. Your advanced education in order to expand your knowledge of this practice, didn't you? You, you started uh, educating yourself and then found a program that was particularly helpful. Right. So as they say, necessity is the mother of invention. Um, I sat back and said, you know what, if I need this, somebody else needs this. So I think there's something we can do with it. And again, going out and trying to find the education for it was a little on the challenging side. At the time, there was something that was being offered called the Certified Senior Advisor Certification. Um, it was an easy course to take in terms of getting a good general knowledge 
the financial side was a little on the light side, but took the course anyway. And there was actually even something at the time called a financial gerontology course, which um, I also took. But I realized that that's really a lot of information that had to be obtained. So we went back and hired um, a former librarian who had a master's in psychology and um, sent her on that journey as well. And um, she went to Rutgers and got an advanced certificate in gerontology, um, which I think most people could, if they have a social work uh, department in a school near them, they're going to have something very similar to that. But that was all the type of background information that you wanted to get, but then you had to get into the whole process yourself. And again, um, we took the Aunt Carol information and, and put that into practice for us. So you were able to build this thing after you went out and found the appropriate education modules and kind of cobbled it together into something you could use. Correct. Were you surprised when you first started uh, at the types of clients this kind of, of knowledge and expertise attracted? Well, I'll tell you the thing that surprised me the most. There was a group called the American Society on Aging, which who knew, right? There's a group for everyone. Um, <laughs> when going to, they had a, they have a conference every year. And um, when I went there, there's over 4,000 people that go to this conference just to deal with the aging issues. And I learned things there that um, actually of all the places that I went to really helped me the most. Um, so yes, we thought, you know what, the baby boomers are going to come in, they're going to want to talk about their parents and what to do with them and how to do it. But in reality, it was the baby boomers who came in. Because the fact is, it's really hard to force someone to plan for what's going to happen in the future. So you'd have to want to do it yourself. And what really turned out to be the, the big thing was, it really was a, a value add to our financial planning practice. That's, that's an amazing result. So you basically geared up for helping the younger people, helping the helpers, and you got the actual people needing the help as far as, as potential clients go. That's must've been quite a surprise in the beginning. It really was. Um, and I have to say, I really didn't do it the conventional way, you know, write the business plan. What are you going to charge? How is it going to happen? I have to say that's never been me. I don't read directions either with new products. I just, you know, try to mess around and try to figure them out. Um, so I can't necessarily say that I would suggest that for everyone, but in this case, it really worked well. We were like, here it is, we built it, and they came, and we just weren't sure who was going to show up. What, uh, what were you doing in terms of marketing at that point to get the word out about this service? Um, so we had been in practice for a while, um, but it was just tell everyone you know. So a client would come in and we would say, by the way, we have this new area and here's what we can help you do. And I have to say that in the very beginning, people were almost afraid because they, they were like, we don't want to go into that division because they felt it was for the old people. Um, but when we started to realize the ability to help them in different ways, not just here's what you have to do if you go to a nursing home. Um, and we would communicate that, that to them. And this was just our existing clients. That's when it really started to turn the corner for us. So you originally envisioned this potentially as a separate service offering and then realized that it would likely feed your existing practice. 
Correct. And really what it became was the value add for the existing clients or for new clients. And many new clients would come in and say, well, okay, tell me about my social security issues. And, you know, there's a lot of nuances to that. So we, they would come in, we would sit and go through their options for them. And that would lead into, yeah, and by the way, um, you know, I'm thinking of retirement. What should I do? And how, how do I go about it? And not on a financial level. This is more on a psychological level. Did you find in doing some of your, uh, your referral intakes when you were initially talking to people about these services, did you find that you learned an awful lot more about the client's lives in, in doing this intake as opposed to a standard sort of financial planning uh, data gathering session? Absolutely. Um, hands down, people started to really open up about, you know, I'm worried. Uh, you know, my husband and I have been married for X amount of years. He's going to be home now. He's going to get in my way. What am I going to do? And that also brought us down the path of learning how to discuss with folks how to do different things. Okay, what's your volunteer level? What do you want to do that's going to be fun? Because everybody has the same dream, you know, I'm going to retire and I don't have to work anymore. That's a huge change for someone. And, and a pretty broad goal, too. I think there's a lot of subsets to that that people really have in mind that, uh, that they're not really envisioning as clearly as they might. And someone like you can help them sort of focus on, on what else they really want. Yeah. Not working isn't a goal. Correct. <laughs> as far as I know. That's correct. And, and you almost have to force them into thinking about that. You know, so we'll say to somebody, okay, so tell me what you're going to do when you retire. Oh, I don't know. I have to clean the house, you know. Okay, that's not going to take you 30 years. You know, what's the next thing that's going to happen? And what are you going to do tomorrow? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and when people sit back and really start to think about it, because no one's ever asked them the question, it almost makes them feel a little more anxious about everything. I think they realize maybe that they're not as, as tightly buttoned down and that they're a little behind more than they thought they were. Correct. Um, not having anything concrete and uh, cemented in place for them to, to really no roadmap for them to follow. Uh, once they pull that retirement pin and there's no more checks, not only are they economically adrift and just hoping to, to pull from what they can, but they're emotionally and psychologically adrift. They don't have a direction. And I think you help provide that direction through some education and and other things as well in terms of helping them work through the various logistics and, and bits and pieces that go with, with retirement and aging. That's correct. Um, and I know that it works because a lot of times people have come back and said, you know what, it was the best thing I've ever done to retire, but I have to say the best thing I ever did was come here and talk to you. You opened my eyes to other options. You told me, you know, help me find places where I could retire to, to move out of the area, to stay in the area, things like that. It's a fantastic service, and with the, the population bulge aging nicely into that demographic range, uh, you could be set for life just uh, by taking in people that walk in over the transom. We're coming up on a very short break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Lauren about uh, advisor education, Medicare, Social Security, and other key factors that helped her determine exactly what she was going to deliver and how. We'll be right back. Are you an RIA or solo financial advisor looking to grow and scale your practice but feel like you need some help? Feel like there are lots of growth options and choices out there but don't have time to research them and don't want to make an expensive mistake? 
Want to spend more time finding and helping clients instead of time-consuming investment research, compliance checks, or transactional work? If you answered yes to any of these, Pinnacle Advisor Solutions has the answers you need. With a wide range of outsource options and top-rated professional investment management and financial planning support, Pinnacle has a solution that fits your needs, budget, and circumstances to help you scale up, grow your practice, or put a succession plan in place. Call to get more information or set up an appointment with a senior representative at 201-919-4838. And we're back with Lauren Locker of Lauren Financial Advisors. There are multiple facets to providing services to the aging, and uh, Social Security and Medicare are only two of them. Uh, Are there others that are sort of adjunct to those that you offer clients that you don't necessarily talk about up front? Sure. Um, Counseling on retirement housing options relocating, um, aging in place, family dynamics um, about when it is time for you to retire, um, issues around mental incapacitation and disability. Those are all part of the the retirement and aging area. And you have expertise in each of these, right? You've gone through and made sure you had uh, on-site and physical knowledge in some cases of of housing units and, and opportunities that are out there, programs that exist. That's a lot of work. How long did that take you to gear up for all that? Well, you know, it, it, so it wasn't as if you say that you do this and 500 people are standing outside your door. So as people would come in, you know, you would get someone who would say, well, I think I need to find a place for my husband that's an assisted living facility. In the beginning, of course, we would go with those people in the area and say, here's where it is and let's take a look at it. And we would interview the people with our clients um, and then, of course, we would know about the places, so now it became an easier um, you know, possibility for them to go. We'd say, go to this place. This is going to be better for a memory care unit or whatever the situation was. So um, we got to learn along with our clients, and I think that that was the most helpful thing. So you really take a very hands-on approach to all this, and you learn along with them and then apply that to the next client. So it's kind of a, a learning curve that that go grows as you grow. It does. And um, the clients really appreciate that because again, they're, they're afraid. Maybe their children live on the other side of the country. They have no one to go with them. So um, you become a trusted advisor, not only on that aspect of it, but for all aspects and, and you have a client for life. It sounds like they're very trusting. Does that lead to some difficult conversations in the beginning when uh, they're first starting out and you have to ask some tough questions? Well, you know, we always do that in terms of just the um, financial planning aspect of our business. We always ask the question, you know, do you have long-term care needs being met? What's going to happen when you retire? What if you get sick and who's going to take care of you, which is kind of how I always Who's going to watch you if you get sick? This is what I always say to people. Um, And they're like, I don't know, you know, uh, I'm going to die in my sleep. I'm like, well, that would be nice. But what happens if you don't? And if people can't have that conversation with me, then they're usually not going to be my client. Because that's my job is to make sure that people are going to be okay. See, and that's a very good insight, too, because a lot of people would try and struggle through that. Or, or take them on anyway and realize that it was it was not a great relationship much further along uh, by by sort of narrowing this down and understanding what your position really is in their their world 
you have the courage to sort of tell them, no, you're, you're probably not going to be a real good client for me, but I can refer you to a couple of other people. Correct. Um, that's a key thing in building a niche practice we've determined. And many of our guests have said the same thing is that once you know who you really are serving, you get to recognize exactly who you're not serving. And it's very easy to let them go. Um, you do some teaching at your alma mater, don't you? Can you tell me about that for a minute? I do. I, I, um, you know, I love the financial planning profession and, um, I like to go, we have a financial planning program at William Patterson, um, that we're very proud of. And what I like to do is go there and speak to them about the fact that it really is not just a numbers game. It's not the wolf of wall street. It truly is about helping people if that's what it is that they want to do and the rewards that come with that. So I found that, um, a lot of times the students weren't all that um, ready to deal with the elderly population. Uh, one thing in particular is they call everybody guys. Okay, you guys are coming to do this. I'm like, there's an 86-year-old <laughs> woman who does not want to be called a guy. Um, so we do a soft skills class for the capstone program that they offer, and the professor brings them over to my office, and we you know, shut the lights or we dim the lights and we don't tell them where to go. And we kind of mumble and speak quietly. And they're like wandering around the office. And then finally I gather them and say, well, how uncomfortable was that for you? And then they realize that, you know, you need to take care of people and you need to, especially the elderly. And, and again, I'm saying elderly, this could be from 50 and on, you know, I mean, the the students have to realize that the the millennials are not the one with the $1.2 million to invest. So there's going to be an older clientele that comes in and you have to cater to them. They have special needs. Maybe we can't see as good. Maybe they're not hearing as good. Maybe they need better lighting. They need a larger font. These are the things that we go over with them. So it's really more about adapting to the, uh, the, the, some of the physical aspects of aging rather than the number, because the number you can have many clients and we have some here spry as you can believe that are in their nineties and they, they're perfectly understanding and, and mental faculties as sharp as attack, but they are some physical limitations. As you mentioned, some of the lighting and hearing and things like that, that you really do have to encounter. And it's more about physical age than it is emotional or, or mental age. Correct. Um, so these students you're talking to, they're mostly in their, their, uh, 20s and maybe early 30s in some cases, they haven't experienced any of this stuff. Are there other aspects uh, to this elder care niche that you talk to them about that they they find challenging or, or particularly rewarding that they can start with, do you think? Well, I think that, you know, when you're in your 20s and you're coming out and you want to be a CFP and, and start your own practice or work in another firm, it is hard to... Um, you know, yeah, have a little baby face to an 80 year old. And they're like, well, what does this kid know? You know, that kind of attitude, but they can make themselves experts in certain things. Social security is one of them. Social security is pretty complex. Um, you know, we've taken the social, the savvy social security course to start our knowledge base and then continue to do your learning through that. So even a 25 year old, um, can, can, become the expert in social security, know the rules backward and forward, be able to 
um, go through why it's going to be better for this client to wait until 70 or better for them to take it at their full retirement age. That's an easy way and an easy entree for them to say, you know what, they do know what they're talking about and I can trust them. Trust is very important. And, and I think that you've, you've learned how to garner that trust from a less than trustful audience, which sort of gives you the, the champion status in terms of, of gaining clients' insights. You've made a special hire, in fact, to make sure you had some insights that you could offer some of these older clients, didn't you? Yes, that's that's when we we hired Holly, and um, you know that's been um, a saving grace for us because, again, as a principal of the firm, there's only so much that you can do in a day. So if you um, are able to get help in this, it just makes the entire process easier and takes a lot off of your plate to do. So you've spread the wealth and, and brought in a specialist as well to, to sort of cover both bases. Correct. That makes a lot of sense when you think about it. Um, are there other services besides uh, Medicare and Social Security that are universally important to that older audience? Is there some other common theme that you run against all the time? Um, it's mostly those soft skills about about um, retiring and, and where and how and what and what am I going to do now? There's a There's a very big psychological aspect to this and it's not something even that you have to learn it's something you need to observe you know really talking to your client about these issues um and not just you know here's the latest morning star report and here's what's going on and here's the numbers having conversations how are you feeling what's going on how's the dog and not just the general how's the kids it's more, how are you feeling? Tell me what's going on for you. You're going to get a huge response um, by having those conversations first and foremost, even if you have those five times before you really get into the meat of what the financial planning piece is going to be. That's really the important thing. So something younger people probably need as much schooling in as anything is, is relationship building and empathy especially when dealing with an older audience, because they're not only going to expect a greater level of respect and, and civility, but also some understanding, which they don't often get as, as elder folks come to realize that society doesn't find them as useful, maybe, or they don't feel they do. Um, so that kind of respect and that kind of empathy is going to carry a long way towards building that relationship. Is that accurate? That is accurate. And, you know, um, I... It, I even tell the students, go and volunteer at a nursing home. You know, get some some feeling around what it is like to be aging and and see what that's about and, and how do you feel about it. Um, there's a lot of my students who do work in a nursing home because, you know, that is a, a difficult place to fill uh, in terms of jobs. And I find that those students that, that have done that um, – even I mean, one young man was a, a, a chef at a, um, a cook at a, a nursing home. And, you know, they, they realized that the aging population, that older people really are human, you know, and they still have um, lives and families and um, senses of humor. And they're not just old people that are just sitting and put aside. And they have some great stories and a tremendous capacity to teach and to learn. And I think you're going a long way towards not only helping them learn, teaching them how to navigate these uh, difficult government programs, uh, but also 
showing them that they're still valuable, that they still have some some worth and some activity and some things to teach other people. Correct. Um, and I have to applaud that, but from a strictly business sense, it, it makes perfect sense. The one thing that nags at me though is these folks are are not maybe have left the longevity that some of the younger uh, advisors clients may have. Do you have higher turnover as a result of of caring for some of these older clients? Um, no, actually, uh, but I'll tell you what we have become um, quite because no. So let me let me answer that question first. No, we don't have a higher turnover, um, and I'm in been doing this since for 27 years. Um, I do have clients that are with me for 20 and 25 years. So we've grown together in that, that sense. If they came in when they were 60 and now they're 80, you know, you're growing along with them in terms of what their needs are for this to happen. But you also have, um, family members of theirs, it's not unusual for us to have, you know, two sisters and a brother and the grandma are all clients of ours and everybody is able to be taken care of in their own way. So, no, there's not a lot of turnover. But we, what we do have is, you know, when we do have a client that passes away, um, we've become, again, proficient in here's what has to happen, here's what you have to do, here's the steps you should take. And again, we're not attorneys, but we're just the softer side of, okay, I mean, I've had a call on Christmas Day that someone's mom passed away. They called me on my cell phone um, that morning and said, you know, my mom passed away. I know you saw her a few days ago and we're just very grateful that you had gone out to lunch with her or whatever the situation was. I mean, how do you not have a client that you care about like that? And how is that not a good thing? It wasn't so good for me for the rest of the day for Christmas, but that they didn't have to know that. <laughs> so it sounds like not only you're getting much more deeply involved in your, your clients' lives, but also building a bridge to the next generation and other family members. Correct. Which is critically important, not only to providing good advice, but to maintaining your and growing your practice as well, which is what we're talking about for some of our advisors. That's good advice for anybody. Build a, a bridge to the next generation is a great way to keep you alive long term. We're uh, we're coming up on the end here. Is there one thing you'd like our listeners to take away from today's discussion, something they can apply in their practice right this minute that'll help them sort of make some decisions about uh, whether they've found a niche in their in their practice book? And if that includes elder care, what would you tell them? Look, if, if, if we're lucky to live long enough, um, you know, we're all going to age. And I think that um, everyone needs to be more sensitive to that for your parents, for your relatives, um, even for your si siblings. You have to face the aging issues. And I think the, the key here for any planner is not to be afraid to discuss that. You know, people know that they're aging. Uh, there's, there's no, you know, just take a look at your high school picture and look at yourself today. We all know that we're aging, whether that's good or bad. Um, <laughs> Sounds terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, let them not be afraid to talk to people about that. All the things that come with it. What their, the client's fears are about that even. 
So finding that commonality of situation and, and realizing that we're sort of all in the same boat and we're all in this together helps you bind with that client a little more strongly and get the discussion in a positive direction. I think that's terrific advice. Um, Lauren, you've been a wonderful guest. Thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you come back and visit us again soon. Um, I'm sure there's lots more you could teach us and uh, we look forward to seeing you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. We've been speaking with Lauren Locker of Locker Financial Services about how to build a niche practice based on your own experience, expertise, and interests. If you have any questions about how to grow your practice or anything else you've heard on this program, drop us a line at fouradvisors at pinnacleadvisory.com and we'll get you some answers as quickly as we can. You've been listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. I'm your host, Dave Polis. Until next time, thanks for listening. You're listening to Four Advisors, the podcast for and about financial advisors. This program is for educational purposes only, and the opinions expressed here by guests do not necessarily fully or accurately reflect the legal intent or nature of Pinnacle Advisor Solutions, Pinnacle Advisory Group, or its senior management. This program is not intended to give legal, investment, or financial planning advice, and opinions and statements made in this podcast should not be relied on as such. 